Hey there, friends. It's Renee here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today, you're in for a treat with two dope guests. First up, Courtney Gearing, an amazing PR consultant, and Casey of The Granista. Pew, 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 pew. This week, it's your boy Bartender Ben. I'm with your homegirl, Renee J. Johnson, the host, the star of the amazing Rose Hour podcast. Everybody drink Rose. Rose. Good morning, young lady. How you feeling? Man, it's been, it's been 5,635 minutes. That's a long time. You, I don't, I, okay, I messed that up. But like, do you remember that Broadway musical? I'm not as cultured. It's from Rent. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I grew up in Southeast DC. Oh. I apologize. Maybe you can watch it on Netflix or YouTube or something. I feel like the Price Is Right loser music. <laughs> <laughs> All of those, <laughs> right? Yeah. All of those combined. Yeah. More specifically, that would, all of those really work. All of them work. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it just it, it is what it is. Um, shout out to DC Public Schools. Um, oh wow! <laughs> you know, uh, shout out to Waukegan Public Schools, hey. where education meets excellence. I mean, but you know what? You bring up a good point. I, I do think the school systems. Dictate the aptitude of the students that come out of it. I mean, you know, look where you went, and look where a lot of people look. Shit, look at the school I went to. It's just the aptitude. I mean, you went to one of the best schools in DC, School Without Walls. Like, it's like a nationally acclaimed schools in this country. It was cool. I, I would say that the the experience of interacting with other people outside of my uh, race and cultural background was. cool. That, that that's what really made that school I would say vital to my development was you know I didn't I, I didn't even have a conversation with white people until you know high school yeah see that's crazy so, and like where I grew up you know yes I claim Chicago all day because you know I am a Chicagoan however I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago where my formative like life really took place in Waukegan Walktown Illinois and I grew up around everyone. So, like, we had people from Southeast Asia. We had people from, you know, Africa. We had people from Mexico. We had people from everywhere. And, I mean, like, that's kind of telling to how I interact with people. Right. And, and it's, it's important to have that cultural diversity and that interaction, you know, yeah. coming up. Because it really helps shape, you know, when you get out into the world, you want to conduct business or do certain things, you know, you're going to encounter people outside of your race. <laughs> yeah. And like how people in different 
parts of the world are perceived as well because I think you know we we look at it from one lens and it's like also like what their identity of the world is too right you know and, and just getting that full view of that by interacting with people asking them hey how you came up you know <coughs> what do you what, what do you believe in yeah <laughs> you know you know, just really having those conversations like, hey, man, we, we, you know, what but, you want? Yeah, but don't get it twisted because the first time I got called the N-word mm. was in the suburbs. You oh, know. oh, I'm pretty sure it held. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, people love the slang that word around. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had no idea what it meant. I knew what it meant. I mean, it, so, I mean, also, too, um, shout out to Tanny Brown, my mama. Tanny! Tanny, 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 Tanny. Um... You know, her and my dad, you know, used to tell, like, really bad stories about the interactions with my folks. And they're, you know, being called the N-word. And I remember my dad specifically. Shout out to Ben Tree. Ben Senior. R.I.P. Miss you. Oh. Um, he used to tell the story about when he was about, like, eight or nine years old. The sheriff of the town used to come around his neighborhood. And what he would do is he would call the young boys over to his car. Mm. Like, hey, boy, come over here. So he would put his head in the car and say, yes, sir. Uh, you know, what do you need? They would roll their heads up in the car window. And then he would drive down the street. So my dad would tell this story about him trying to run as fast as he can as this sheriff gets up to like 25 miles an hour. Oh, wow. He's riding down the street. And mind you, his head is rolled up in the window. And he's like, hey, do you like my wife? It's kind of a catch-22, you know, question. So one day he asked a question, like, hey, do you like my wife? And he's like, no, no, sir. But why don't you like my wife? And he hits the accelerator. <laughs> and oh, then wow. once he's done toying with these black kids, he'll unroll their head out of the window and let them just fall on the side of the road. So, you know, <clears throat> and just having that, you know, those stories being told by your parents, you can understand, like, why they have apprehensions with dealing with, you know, yeah. with white people. Like, even my mom now, we have a, my mom has a white neighbor. And, <laughs> like, she's like, oh, I can't go over there, can't trust him. Like, she's always, like, looking out her blinds of mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, there's no words that I could use to say, hey, look, dude ain't on shit. He's not messing with you. <laughs> but because of her experience. But exactly. You know, I, I'm like, well, whatever you had to do to make it through that period and whatever, you know, fear defense mechanisms you have against these people that are threatening and have been threats to you your life and your well-being I get it yeah you know she just avoids it and don't want to deal with it and ain't nothing I can say I can't tell her like don't feel that way no and, it, and it's you know? very real because like you know and and part of this is because we we're talking about you know what came out you know with Brianna Taylor like right how hard is it right now for us to say, like, dude got indicted for the bullets that didn't hit her? That's what he's indicted for. The bullets that didn't kill a human. Like... I mean, again, you know, I feel as though this is propaganda. It's making people less and less sensitive to the death and murder of black people. Yeah, it, it it all it, that's all it is, <laughs> because I mean, let's just just be straight up and being real. Majority of white people don't give a damn to these black people being murdered like this. 
it's cool to yell the Black Lives Matter to show that you down, but it's it, you don't really care. <laughs> how could you? You, I mean, to be honest, like how could they really care about this population of people that they really don't know, they don't understand, and at the same time, the media perpetuates this the idea, the stereotype that hey, these people don't want to work. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do this that. This is how we live. Right. You know, and I was having a conversation um, with a coworker the other day, and I was like, shit, we have the same hygiene factors that you have. We have the same concerns that you have. We want safe communities. We want safe neighborhoods. We want good schools. We want our kids to know what the hell rent is, what Broadway plays are. We want our kids to have that exposure. Hey, we want to take them to a decent restaurant to show them how to order a steak, what the temperature is and the importance of that. You know, what's the difference between a porterhouse and a, and a, and a T-bone? <laughs> that type of culture we're not getting, but at the same time, it's like we don't have an appreciation for it. But that's the, the yeah. you know what I'm saying, like the, the impression that people have of us. And it's, it's not, it's not... I don't think it's fair. Yeah, and I, I you know, and without harping too much, I mean, we can't help but harp, right? Because we are black people in America. And right. to be honest, you know, we guys are listening to two black people who are trying to do some good and do some educational things, who are trying to live good lives. And this stuff impacts us. Because, I mean, you know, there's no, there's no bounds to this propaganda and this... I would say extinction level event that we've been prepared for. Yeah, because it could be us tomorrow. Like right. I could be driving to the grocery store. Like Brianna Taylor wasn't was like home. some bum. I mean, but just even I mean, yeah. yeah, we already know the backstory like how she got killed, but it wasn't like she was in a she was a, outside selling. Right, she didn't have no huge she was background in criminal like, in a nice apartment complex. Right, but even just just she was an EMT. Yeah, she's supposed to be she's one of the uh, matter. Right, she's she's part of that clique, and for her to get like gunned down like that, and then for there to be a charge like that is just a slap in the face. It's literally the fifties and sixties all over again. And I mean, I think you know us as black people, we do need to educate ourselves on the Second Amendment laws, making sure that we're doing what we need to do and arm ourselves because it's getting to a point that hey, we're not gonna have protection. I'm just well, gonna say it. I mean, and 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 I think people forget, right? Like in U.S. history class, right? When our founding fathers, quote unquote, uh, created this country, black people were not part of the Constitution. We were not considered people. So any law that was created in this land was not with us in mind. So we are not protected by the laws of the system. So systematically, how could we expect to be covered? I mean, you know, I ain't tripping. We can, you know, we can do a reservation or something. <laughs> you know, hell, we can get the same, you know, treatment as the Indians. Well, we're <laughs> the only people that has had um, basically almost an ex- trying to have an extinction of our population. Mm-hmm. And we have the, we're the only ones that have not had reparations. We're the only right. people... You know? I was I was looking at a, a graphic to that point the other day, and they listed you know the Japanese from the uh, concentration camps yep. back in the day. They got reparations. <laughs> Indians definitely got hooked up. Um, you just run down it. It was a popular 
people from India that came here. Yes, and they received reparations. And they received reparations for, you know, shit that happened to them. So, I mean... Armenians actually, too, receive... So there's like a whole class of people throughout the course of history and time that people do not even realize receive reparations. From the United States. From the United States. So when people... You know, laugh at the idea of black people asking for reparations is not a foreign concept. It's something that we have done as a country many times over and over and over and over and over again. And we may lose some people on this podcast, but I'm okay with that because, you know, we are usually fun loving, happy, but like at if you look at the course of what's going on, we are not here anymore just to be entertainers because at the end of the day, that's what black people are always looked at as anyway. It's just entertainment. Court gestures. And we are not here for just entertainment value. That's the whole purpose of the podcast is for education. We are here to have a good time educating, but also this is the platform for education. And today the education lesson is because we needed a mental health break because it's too much shit, honestly in the world that impacts us directly and we got to go to work the next day and act like it doesn't bother us. That's some real shit to deal with. It is. And, you know, again, and I agree with your idea, like in your sentiment, like we, if, if people are turned off by us saying, hey, we just don't want to get killed no more, maybe this isn't the podcast for you to listen to. If that thought disturbs you to the point where it angers you, yeah, we maybe not the people that you should be talking to. And we still gonna have a good time. We still gonna laugh. But like at this point, hearing everything that happened with Breonna Taylor, the bullets that did not kill her. And and you know what the ultimate slap in the face is? They got this coon dude. What's his name? Daniel. Uh, Daniel Jackass. Oh, fuck fuck his name. Daniel Jackass out here doing some shit like that and I'm sorry I'm using this language but I'm a little bit animated about it like bro that could have been your mama that could be your sister but let's be clear about this too mm-hmm. because we we this is how slavery happened mm-hmm. it was by it was us by for us, us. <laughs> because there were some there were some blacks and Africans who Africans who sold and entrapped other Africans into slavery he is no better than any of those who entrapped us into slavery. Mm-hmm. He is on the same level as them. He is not one of us. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, how do you just, you know, you wash your face in the morning and you see your, your your reflection in the mirror and you cool with what you see? I don't I don't you understand, like, how do you, you able to do that? the windows, walls of an apartment building more credence of life than that of a black woman. I dig it. I think we need to talk to them about what wine we drink. <laughs> we need a whole we need a whole of wine. Yeah, I think we didn't murder this bottle. I can't even see it. Well, now. and I'm glad we're 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 doing this because this one is the Grenasta. Um and, and actually this is from uh Sonoma Valley. And the meaning of this, like Casey, he's so dope and he talks about like the meaning of it. And it's actually from the French Resistance. Um, and, and it's got like a real powerful meaning. It's even got this powerful fist um, as a meaning. And I think it's it's the most relevant wine and time 
for right now. So you guys have to support this wine because it's really impactful. It's really empowering. Um, and the alcohol level is high. Yeah, that too. And you know how he feels about this. You got to get to the point. <laughs> you got to get, the, get drunk. Right. there. It's get. a 2019 Sonoma Valley Grenache Rosé. Uh, tasty notes, pale salmon and hue. Classy and vibrant with aromatics of pink grapefruit, fresh strawberries, watermelon, rind, rose petal, candied orange peel, concentrated with refreshing line of minerality and zippity citrus finish. Man, you know, who writes these descriptions? I want to meet one of these people that think like this and write words like this. Like florally. <laughs> right, that's it. Was it salmon and hue? Yeah. I mean, I ain't, you know, I ain't knocking nothing. It's just creative how these people use words like this. I'm like, oh, I can picture how the, yeah, the wine do like his salmon color, you know? Yes. Yeah, I like that. And I, I just like want to also point out this rose is made from 100% Grenache. Mm-hmm. What is a Grenache? Well, it's the grape. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's okay. He's just drinking it. Hey, we gonna edit it's that been, out. It's been a lot. It's been, hey, y'all, it's been a lot. And you got to understand for us, it's been a lot. So if you haven't seen us posting a lot lately, it's because it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And, you know, keep us in your thoughts and prayers because, you know, we work full-time jobs. We're running other businesses. We're trying to get this, you know, podcast going to everything that's happening in the world. It's a lot. Hey, but guess what? We going to keep on trucking. We still here. We, hey, we like roaches. You can't kill us for real. We going to pile back. Thicker and heavier like before. Roach, but more like a unicorn. Hey. I just magically appear. Hey, I ain't seen a unicorn, but hey, I know roaches are hard to kill. Oh. I know they trying to kill us, but hey, we can't do it. You knock down one, we get six, eight, eight, ten more. Well, We're coming back stronger than before. This is a lot. <laughs> I know. Anyway, yeah. Well, we have two awesome guests. So we talked about Casey and his amazing Rose, who's our Man. second guest. Our first guest is Courtney, and she's a PR uh, consultant. And what? I'm really, what she do? she's a PR consultant. For who? All to all the amazing beauty brands. So Man. she actually connected us to some of our amazing guests that we had. So we had to naturally bring her on and interview her. Man, so. I, need, I need some PR. Yeah. I'm trying to get my name out there in a, in a magazine or something. Well, she don't do that kind of PR. But I don't know. She could hook me up, man. We gonna talk to her. Though. Well, listen to this interview and you can learn more. I know that. Do, 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 hey. Do. hey. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We done ran a little bit over. We got a little bit a little bit animated. This well, morning. no, we didn't get animated. What Here we got was, was real. And you know hey. what? Sometimes in life we have to be because... Real animated. <laughs> you a fool, fool. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, let's do it. I bet. Yay, Courtney! Pew, pew, pew! Hey there, friends. It's me, Renee, here at the Rosie Hour Podcast. And today, y'all, she is so dope. Like, seriously. We just started this podcast and, you know, early this year, like February, March, and this young woman came out of nowhere because she's so amazing and has a network of people who 
also own businesses like herself. She's connected to people who are also entrepreneurs, thriving, doing amazing things. And she is a PR person who connects them to other people doing amazing things because that's what amazing people do. She is gifted. She drinks wine. She knows where to get the best wine and also resourceful. Y'all give it up for Courtney! Thank you, Renee. I appreciate your introduction. I'm so happy we connected. Yes, me too. Because like you have connected me to so many of our guests. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of your podcast. So. Oh, well, we would not be here without you. Seriously, like you have really put on a lot of guests. Like it's natural you had to come on the show, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Courtney, you got to tell everybody you are like a PR consultant guru to the stars. What does that mean? And like, what do you do? And how did you even get into the industry? Yes. So I, I do PR. I also do a little bit of marketing. Um, I have my own business for seven years now, which is kind of crazy to think, (laughs) but I, I absolutely love it. So I got into kind of PR and marketing actually living in Qatar. So I lived in the Middle East. Um, And so I I found my way into it there. I had the opportunity to work with a lot of um, really big fashion and beauty brands. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm kind of done here. So I moved to New York, of course, like like one just does. So I ended up in New York, um, started my own company. I thankfully uh, had a client in Qatar still, um, which was really, really great because that kind of helped me jumpstart my business. Um, And then I just sort of met, networked through that, um, which was really fantastic. And a lot of my clients I've just met through other people, through referrals. um, And still, I, I primarily do fashion, beauty, um, sort of PR, marketing, content as well. Wow. And so when you say you do PR, what does that mean for someone who's not aware of like what the PR world is and what is PR? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, like you said, I think it's really the introduction of people. So you know, connecting other people, making those relationships. Um, I was really happy yesterday. I had a piece come out in Real Simple Magazine for a client of mine. So I guess really it's just putting brands in front of other people, you know, whether that's through kind of old school magazine or I say old school because now everything's so <laughs> digitalized, but through that or obviously digital publications. Now, you know, everyone's got stuff digital or podcasts. I mean, podcasts are huge to get guests on. Um, it's just another way for someone to hear about you. You never know how someone can find, you know, a small business. So I think it's really just that connection of people. So did you go to school for this? Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I know how to connect people. But it's like there's like a niche you have to have for that and like training. So like how did you like really get into sort of like the training and like 
mm-hmm. the depth and education, I guess, the study of, if you will, of it. Yeah, so I actually did not go to school for PR. I went to school for hospitality, which is a little bit different. Um, But I think within that, it's it's kind of the business of people. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you really have to be comfortable talking to people, getting to know them, helping them, and I think that translated a little bit over to PR. And then I also did get an MBA. Um, I studied in Italy and I got my MBA there, which was super awesome. Um, So I think that helped me to understand a little bit more the business world and kind of get, you know, understand how a business is run, how it works, operates, all of that stuff. So yeah, that... um, I think that the combination of those two and then just sort of kind of being thrown into it and then learning from the ground up. Wow. And, you know, there's like an intersectionality within hospitality industry and PR. Like you have to do PR in in hospitality, it sounds like, too. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's that, you know, like how to deal with customers and, you know, in, in PR, the customers are basically the people who are trying to, whether it's sell a product or, or sell themselves, you know. And so in hospitality, it's usually a thing, but like it sort of translates as well, you know, with what you do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so, too. So I'm, you know, I look back and I'm like really happy I made that choice because I think it has helped me with different people skills and the connection of people and, you know, how you kind of put things together, pitch things in a certain way. Yeah. Well, you say you're in the fashion industry. I love fashion. Okay, the fashions. I love the fashions. Who are some of the uh, fashions uh, or what what type of fashions rather are some of the... I'm phrasing the question wrong. What fashion markets? Because fashion could be so many things. It's encompassing Mm -hmm. a lot of things. What markets do you sort of like work in, 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 in that space? Like, is it like health and beauty is it in wearables is it uh health and fitness i i is already yeah. like across sectors right yeah so I, I would say a little bit of the cross sector part so some of my clients are fashion and accessories mm. and i mean I, i've also worked with with some now and in the past and then also i would say in the last two to three years i've been able to work more with some beauty brands so whether that's like skincare not so much on the makeup side i would say more skincare um and also with a clinic that focuses on um like facials and all you know all of the things that come microneedling all the million different types of things you can do now um but still i think overall they they also focus a lot on wellness too so sort of like beauty from within um so i have some clients like that with kind of the intersection of wellness and beauty which i really really love and i think especially during this time people are really looking you know what can i do um, to feel better, to feel good, to keep my health up. Um, but yeah, it's it's a range because I used to work a lot more in fashion and then now it's kind of a 50-50 of, of beauty and fashion. Wow. 
Now, as a small business owner, you know, what do you believe was some of like your challenges in sort of like getting started as a business owner? Because like one, it's I, I know like taking that leap of faith and creating a business is hard. But like what made you one start out and be a business owner? And then two, what were some of the challenges? We're going to go to some of those success stories next. But I want to sort of hear like how that came about and like how you, you know, kind of like ah, fought through those challenges. Yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I, it just kind of came naturally. It was something that I didn't, you know, you hear stories of people kind of sitting around, oh, should I do it? Should I not? Um, but I just kind of took the plunge and was like, yes. okay, this is happening. And I think I was able to just do different side hustles and and all of a sudden I was like wait this is working out um so it just really happened naturally I mean my grandfather was an entrepreneur so I never thought like growing up kind of looking up to that but then once I got to where I was I was like wait like I can do this (laughs) right so that so it happened really naturally but when you mention I think challenges right Mm -hmm. so that I will share a really big challenge that if anyone's ever, you know, looking to open a small business. And I think too, like I'm, I wasn't selling a product, like I'm selling a service. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I guess you're not, you you keep track of your expenses and your revenues and all of that, but maybe you know, it's different than selling a product and you have, you have to keep track of sales and all these things. So anyways, one of the biggest, I guess, mistakes that I made in my first year of business was that I didn't realize you have to pay as a small business owner, you know, a solopreneur, um, estimated taxes. Mm. So I went the entire year without paying tax and then had a very hefty, tax bill yeah (laughs) once i realized that i failed to do that with you know fees and all of these things i had accumulated so that was a huge mistake but i i had no idea you know i just made the 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 c corp and just kind of jumped in or sorry the s corp i mean s corp and just kind of jumped in and didn't even realize that so that's something that i always tell people you know, even have an accountant, have somebody help you um, because it's important to get that kind of all squared away. It's not fun. I hate it, but, <laughs> but, but you got to do it. You, you got to do, do it. it. Yes. Because the do. penalty, not only financial, is imprisonment. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. So thankfully, you know, that was years ago. I got, <laughs> I, I got it, you know, paid off and I learned my lesson like, whoa, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yep. what's, what's some of your like, Yes, moments like I did it. I, I, I know one is like paying that tax bill off, but like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like yep. when you felt like I did this, like I like pat yourself on the back, go girl. Like yes, like you created something and like it's working. What, what were some of those moments? Yeah, so I guess I can think of two. First, it would just be I think sending a proposal to some clients that you're like, oh, you know, fingers crossed. I hope I get this client. I really want, you know, to work with them. Um, So even those moments are wow moments just because 
you you know you put that effort in you maybe you do a couple of calls or you meet in person back before <laughs> back mm-hmm. before um and and you spend that time obviously not getting paid but you're like putting kind of your heart and soul kind of creative energy into it um and then it comes to life and you end up working with them so that's always something to be really excited about um then i would say just growing with them so i've had a couple clients that i've really help grow their social media following and their community and sort of changing up um, the way that, you know, the overall social looks and then the press feature. So even I mentioned, you know, yesterday with my client getting into Real Simple, I mean, every single time that happens, you're like, yes, I know, I know what I'm doing, you know, (laughs) this is what I'm working for. So that's, I, I love those moments. Yes. Those are so amazing moments. So how can people connect with you? And like, if they're looking for like a consultation or a quote or, you know, they're trying to see, you know, they need some PR assistance from you. Yeah, for sure. So my website is seamree.productions. So no.com. My cousin actually built it for me. And at first I was like, wait, I don't know how I feel about that. And I'm like, actually, I like it. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, yeah, it's seamree.productions. And then I'm also on Instagram. My Instagram is my original handle that I made. So I have never changed it. (laughs) But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with it. I remember making it when I was in business school in Italy and I was out with some friends and I was like oh, everyone was you know learning about Instagram like eight years ago nine years ago <laughs> so I was like I'm just gonna keep it um but it's C Court so you know Courtney C Court 99 and that's that's me on Instagram yeah so you guys gotta follow her because she is amazing and if you want to know about who you need to know you gotta follow her for that too um we're not gonna yes, let you go okay. yet because <laughs> you do know everything about wine and before I ask you our final question, you know everything about wine and in Oregon. Now, how are you so in the know about Oregon wines? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know how much I'm in the know, but one of my best friends is from there. So she kind of put me on the map of Oregon wine and what it's all about, um, which, you know, thanks to her for that. So, yes, I um, have had a few wines from Oregon. Um, and one of them that I absolutely love is from Willamette Valley. Where and is that located? So it's just south of Portland. Okay. And I want to say, too, it's south of another city. And I'm, oh, Salem. That's what it is. Yeah. It's right by Salem, but also like an hour south of Portland. Um, so, yes, um, I absolutely love this particular winery, Willamette Valley. And their rosé is amazing. All their wines are amazing. Um, but, yes, I, I think I would have to go with the rosé from Willamette Valley. You guys heard it here from the queen, the PR queen. Who knows everything about everything, okay? Willamino, did I say it right? One. Willam, Willameta. Willameta Willameta Valley, Valley. Vineyards. Vineyards. Rose. Yes. Oregon. 
Yes, it's the Estate Rosé of Pinot Noir is what they call it. If you want to Google it. <laughs> you get a time for that. Because <laughs> that's a little tongue twister. But right? you get it. <laughs> well, Courtney, this has been so much fun. And we definitely have to have you back on because I feel like you could do a small business course for people uh, who want to get started as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Rule number one, make sure to pay your estimate. Right. <laughs> and then just enjoy the ride. Right. I think that's, you know, you, you, you have to stay positive and, and enjoy it. Pay your taxes, enjoy the ride. I feel like yes. that's like a life lesson right there. <laughs> the more you know, guys. <laughs> well, thanks, Courtney, for joining us today. And you have to come back again. And yes, we need more lessons in paying taxes, enjoying the ride, and getting businesses off the ground and drinking yes. more rose. Yes, I would say that's another thing. Is I love working with small businesses. I know you advocate for small businesses so yes we'll be doing some work together soon i feel it yes let's do it yes well guys thanks for listening to courtney cheers cheers bye Thanks so much, Courtney, for a great interview. And I'm excited that you are in Miami and relaxing during this quarantine. We're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Casey in the wonderful Sonoma County of California and hear about some amazing grapes and what he does with them. Pew, pew. friends it's Renee here at the Rose Hour podcast and today you guys are in for a great treat he is the king the czar the owner creator winemaker of one of the most amazing rosés that I've had we definitely popped it open uh once it got here because it looks so awesome I love the branding it's definitely relevant to what's happening in the world right now as I said the king the czar the maker the one and only Casey of Granista Yay! Hi, Renee. <laughs> How Thanks are you? Oh, I'm, do- I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. And all I have to say is I'm just so grateful and thankful for you and what you're doing with your, your wine because it's so awesome and symbiotic of, of sort of like what's happening around the world right now. Yeah, it, it, that wasn't by design, but... Uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, did you make this all happen? Because it totally works with the branding. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's kind of funny is that we we started this label, this this branding in 2016 just by, you know, happenstance. And uh, that seems to be when the world changed a little bit. So um, it's serendipity. Yeah, it's good and bad because it's like you're bringing awareness. And I mean, we'll get to all that because um, I'm just so excited. Um, so, Casey, how did you get started into the wine business and create this amazing, amazing brand? Well, I, I come from a, a family of wine drinkers, so it was in my household as, as a youth. Um, and then uh, I started working in fine dining when I graduated high school. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with myself. So 
my older brother was living in San Francisco at the time, and I moved in with him, and uh, he got me a job in a restaurant, and uh, that's kind of where I, I cut my teeth on on drinking fine wines, um, you know, besides in my household. But uh, working in restaurants for several years, uh, I, I decided or started feeling like that is not something I wanted to do the rest of my life. Uh, a lot of my mentors were, you know, divorced and addicted to cocaine and, oh, and, wow. <laughs> and whatnot. You know, that's just the restaurant industry. And um, so uh, someone talked to me about uh, the wine industry and it never really occurred to me that that was actually a thing. You know, you could go and, and make a living and, and create in, the, in that way. Um, and so uh, I packed up my car and I moved down to San Luis Obispo where we had a family friend that was in the wine industry and I worked my first harvest in uh, two, two, 1999. Wow. Um, and then I've, I've, I've journeyed from there, uh, uh, but uh, landed here back up in the North Bay in Sonoma, uh, not far from where I grew up um, and have started my own label in 2013. Yeah. And your label is so amazing and has sort of like a real meaning to it. I know some people like create, you know, the their brand based upon like their grandmother or, you know, which which is great. But like there's like some deep meaning into the Grenache stuff. There is. And you know what? Funny enough, the first two years I had this wine company, it was based off my grandfather's name. So, oh, wow. <laughs> but I, I found that just didn't work. It wasn't me. Um, it didn't speak to what we were doing. It was, it was still the same uh, theme that we have is that we I, I concentrate on Grenache Noir and Grenache Blanc, um, but it didn't have a connection to that. So in 2015, uh, I started, I'm pretty artsy myself, so I started designing a, a new label that would really connect us to what we were doing. Um, and the Grenachistas is actually an organization in France uh, where most wines are a blend of various varietals. But there's a group of people that really champion Grenache as a standalone varietal. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet the founder of that organization at a wine event. Uh, and I mentioned to her that I'd love to use that as a wine label someday. And, and she told me that if I took it and I made, made it my own, I you know, designed it how I wanted, as long as it wasn't the same design that I could have it. And so that was 2015 and uh, kind of, I designed the label that we currently have then. And in 2016, we started sticking them on wine bottles. Wow. And like, it's so powerful. Uh, Cause uh, speaking of like French, it reminds me like the French revolutions and like the resistance and all of that. And like, it's definitely encompasses that vibe within the brand. Yeah, you know, and that's worked out great for us because that's really what what this is supposed to be about is showcasing the Grenache grape and and what we've I've kind of come to a marketing you know uh, uh, decision that our our our, um, our brand motto is the Grenache Gorillas and it's funny how <laughs> how like or the world has changed into, into that being. Funny little side story is that we're working on a little project, Paquette, uh, which is, uh, uh, they call it a wine-like beverage. And it's, it's more like a beer. It's made out of the pumice that, that we usually uh, compost at the end of the process. And I'm working on a label for that. And it's, I've already got federal approval, but it's a uh, Molotov cocktail. And um, maybe about three weeks ago, I started thinking, well, maybe that's not a good idea to put on a wine bottle right now. But well, we're going to move forward and see where it goes. Hey, why not? Right. Why not? 
And I think that'll be super cool because I don't think anyone really thinks about sort of like what's being composted post uh, creation of a wine. And so like how you can retool and reshape different items is super like environmentally friendly and also just cool, you know, to make sure that you're continuing on the circle of life, you know, in alcohol. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, I, I believe they call it upcycling. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's very innovative. So yeah. 2020, considering. <laughs> well, and my first instinct was like, let's call it, it's made from garbage. But I, I think upcycling's a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to like up trash, up garbage. No, doesn't right. really come well off the tongue. <laughs> So, so we're going with upcycling. Yeah, upcycling is what it is. I like that. And I'm going to use that in my vernacular. <laughs> so, Casey, wanted to know more about the actual rosé that you have as well. Um, like, what does it taste like? How is it made? All of those amazing things. Uh, we started making rosé in 2014, and it was just a little side project because we uh, we bleed our Grenache Noirs. Uh, it's called Saigne. Uh, we take a little bit of juice out before we start the fermentation, which helps uh, uh, make a more robust wine. Uh, and we take that juice that we pull out, and it's only on the skins for you know, as long as it's in the winery, a few hours, uh, and make rosé out of it. And the first year, we I think I made 14 cases, and it was just for me and my wife. Um, and then, you know, it, every year we made more and we made more. Uh, so but what we do now, it's not Sanye, it's not our bleed. We, I actually buy fruit from an amazing site here in Sonoma, and we press it for just for making rosé. Uh, and I don't make a whole lot. Um, I used to, but the shelves are so packed with uh, you know pinks nowadays that uh, I just make enough for our, our wine club and and some a little bit of wholesale to, uh, restaurants for by the glass. But it's pressed into a stainless steel tank where it's it's settled and then moved into stainless steel drums and fermented. Um, and it's only Grenache because that's all we do. So it's a Grenache rosé. Uh, and, and I really prefer rosés from Provence and from Bandol. So I make it in that style. It's it's acid-driven. Um, it's fresh. It's light. Uh, um, it, it's, it's really just for sipping on it. You know, there, there's not to overthink it. Yeah. And I mean, like, you're right about rosé as being sort of like, there's so many on the shelves now. And I know like rosé all day is turning rosé every day, all day, every day of the year. And it's like, how did we make that transition? And sort of like with your with your winemaking, have you thought about like expanding your rosé collection? Uh, not necessarily because since we only, I only make Grenache, you know, I only have one, one color on my palette. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do like single vineyard rosés. And, and not only that, it's, as you mentioned, it, it's a hard sell right now to get on, on the shelf, especially for a little guy. Um, so it, it's not really something I'm looking for. But I do make a rosé pet nat now. I, I started last year, um, which, is, which is super fun. Um, so we're, I'm always willing to expand and to, to make fun things and kind of chase things down the rabbit hole. Uh, but expanding rosé production isn't really in my wheelhouse right now. <laughs> totally understand. So you have several other types of wines too that you produce. This, this is true. I mean, our, our, my really focus, real focus is on Grenache Noir, on single vineyard Grenache Noir, um, which really showcases uh, different terroir and sites, um, colonial selections, 
but in that vein, we also make Grenache Blanc and make Pet Nats out of Grenache and Rosé, of course. So um, you know, Rosé is, is not our main focus. But, uh, you know, I love drinking Rosé, so I will always make one. It's just a <laughs> matter if it gets out to the public or not. <laughs> right. I mean, because you have to, I mean, you got to drink your own supply. I mean, it makes sense. You got to make sure it's what you like. <laughs> yes. And that's so important. In, I mean, in anything, but in the wine industry, if you're chasing fads and you're trying to make wine for other people or to get scores, you know, it's just not authentic and it, it shows and it, it you know, it's, it, it, it just won't sell. You you have to be true to, to your taste and what you want to make. That's very true. That's very true. And you said you actually made the logo. So you have a graphic designer background as well? Not uh, formally. Uh, <laughs> That's all I, of us I, nowadays. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just I've just learned. And it really started with the first label I designed. I, I drew it up. And then my brother-in-law is a uh, graphic designer. So he kind of cleans it up for me. Um, but in that process, I've learned to, to do most of this myself. He still takes the... Uh, the ball on the you know one yard line and gets it over the the uh, finish line. But um, uh, yes, most of this stuff I, I design myself, uh, and I'm also enjoy photoshopping. Uh, it's one of my little side projects. And if you go onto my Instagram, you'll see that uh, I try to do at least one one a week of me okay. strangely in places that I wasn't even born yet. Or <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of cool. <laughs> Well, and speaking of your, your social media, um, how can people connect with you and also follow, you know, both the brand and you? Uh, I, I mainly post on uh, Instagram. It's kind of my uh, my weapon of choice. And I'm the period Grenachista on Instagram. Um, I'm a little annoyed with Facebook in the, in the modern world, so I don't yes. really... I, I'm not on there too often, but you know, you have to have a Facebook, to have Instagram. So I, there's, there is a Facebook page. I don't look at it very often. I try to stay <laughs> off of it. I think that's most people these days. Facebook is like what your grandparents use now. Yeah, I don't want to see memes from my crazy uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that real? Oh, yeah, that's very real. <laughs> but I know Instagram is owned by Facebook, but it just has a different vibe. You know, it doesn't feel political to me. Um, or at least, you know, that's how I've designed my my right, timeline. Right. It's more like you can design it. It's not like your family and friends who are like beating you down with messaging and rhetoric. <laughs> this is very true. So I, I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I like it. I, uh, it's kind of a, a, it feels like an art form to me, you know, making pretty pictures and then my uh, uh, photoshopping and um, it, it's fun. Uh, it makes me laugh and that's usually the, the main goal there is if, if I make myself laugh then someone else might laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Others will ensue as well. <laughs> I totally love it. And so how can people uh, purchase some of the wine you have? Uh, you can go to my webpage, which is also uh, what's www.grenachista.com. Uh, and I have a wine page on there, uh, which will take you, you can buy it on the page or it'll also take you to, to my Shopify site. Um, but all the wines are there available, um, including, including the Rosé Pet Nat, which is super fun. If, if uh, you have fans out there that like sparkling pinks. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and then the rosé as well. Um, and then, funny enough, it ends tomorrow, but I could probably extend it for your viewers. Uh, I'm doing 10% off and then 10% to Hospice to Roan, which is a charity that helps uh, champion Roan varietals uh, until tomorrow. And that promo code is capital H, lowercase d, capital R for Hospice to Roan. Oh, well, yeah, we'll let everyone know that too. 
So yeah, please extend it because I know people want to try it. Um, it's actually interesting. My coworkers, shout out to my coworkers, um, are following me and my podcast as well. And they have been great consumers, especially since we're working from home and secretly like throw up their coffee mug with rosé in it. And I have to guess which rosé it is. So it's pretty fun. <laughs> and and it's, that's something to keep in mind for uh, for people out there. Is, I, I know the world is upside down right now, but uh, us small producers who are no longer have access to the whole sale chain, um, you know, need support. Um, and not me, all the little wine producers out there um, really appreciate people uh, remembering that, you know, we're, we're trying to run businesses too and feed our families and, and make kick-ass wine. Yeah, you guys are doing a lot and we really do support you. I love a good small business. That's actually what I do. I'm a lobbyist for small business here in D.C. So that all works. <laughs> we support Yeah, we're all, we're all on the same page. <laughs> exactly. We're all one family. <laughs> So I like to ask Casey uh, before we go everyone this question about what their favorite rosé is. And so I know you have a rosé, but if you had a particular type you wanted to talk about, we'd love to know your favorite rosé. I'm a firm believer that a good rosé has to come from a Rhone varietal. Um, I, I'm not a fan of, you know, Zinfandel rosés or Cabernet. I, hey, there's, there's something for everybody out there. It's just my personal opinion. So, uh, Really, when we're talking about rosés that I drink, they're usually French and provincial. Um, you know, the rosés from Bandol. I mean, there are some great producers here in the, in the states that make delicious rosés, and and I'll drink those as well. Um, off the top of my head, the person I buy my some fruit from, Peter Mathis, makes an incredible rosé from Sonoma Valley. Um, but mostly, it's it's usually Bandol or uh, you know Grenache or Sinsol based uh, rosé. Yes. Well, that is pretty interesting. And I would love to have you back on sometime uh, during the harvest season so we can talk more about what you're going through and how you're doing it and how people can still support because, you know, COVID is not going to go away tomorrow, guys, just because the sun is showing. Uh, it, it's going to be around for a while. We don't have a vaccine. We, you know, it is what it is. So <laughs> we want to support small business owners as much as possible. Yeah, drink all your wine at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can literally wear your pajamas, do great work, and drink rosé all day. Why not? Yeah, and you'll be living the, the lifestyle of a winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone dreams of doing that, so this is perfect. <laughs> right. Well, Casey, really thank you so much. Uh, what's the code again so we can make sure everyone has that? It's capital H, lowercase d, capital R, which is for Hospice to Roan. And that's 10% off uh, your purchase. And then I'm donating 10% of the sales to the Hospice to Roan's uh, charity. Wow. You are such a just, like I said, you're the king, the guru, the czar. You are just a stand-up guy. We really appreciate you. Well, thanks for the kind words. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, and we love, love, love your rosé. Thank you. Check out my Instagram if you want to laugh. Oh, definitely or, happening. <laughs> or want to be slightly offended. <laughs> Either or, you get a good time. <laughs> right. Thanks so much, Casey. Cheers. Thank you, Renee. Thanks, Casey, for such a great interview. Want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And also, Courtney. Want to thank bartender Ben, all the amazing people here at the Rosie Hour podcast. And want to thank you, the listeners, for listening again for episode number 33. Tree, tree, pew, pew. That's so cool. We 
we made 33 episodes. Yay! Also want to thank all of our previous guests because without them, we wouldn't be here today. How dope is that? Also, check us out next week because we're going to have two more dope guests. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, The Rosie Hour Podcast. Check us out. We are bringing back some more amusing content. We took a little break. Uh, we needed to have a little We're mental health, world. you know, wellness, you know, break. A lot's been happening, so we needed a little time away. But we are back, you guys, and we're so excited to bring you some awesome, awesome, awesome guests, some awesome, awesome, awesome rose all day. So stay tuned, follow us, go to our website, therosehourpodcast.com, and get some merch because why not, right? <laughs> like always, friends. Follow us again. Stay tuned. Subscribe, like, share, tell a friend. Be nice to people because it's hard out here, man. It is really hard. Don't forget to vote. Elections are coming up. If you're in the United States, it's really, really important to vote. And we want to make sure everybody does so this election cycle. And come back next Wednesday for another episode of The Rose Hour Podcast. 